Welcome to another episode of Ladywood. We are back after a short hiatus, ready to discuss season two of Deadwood as two huge fans of the show and one newbie. I am Brandy, one of the old fans. I'm Lynn Sternberger, the other old fan. I'm not sure I'm okay with that phrase. But <laughs> My name is Sita Sean. I am the newbie on the podcast. And this week we are diving into season two with the episode A Lie Agreed Upon Part One, written by the man himself, David Milch, and directed by Ed Bianchi, who did, I think, a couple episodes of season one. Two or three. Yeah. Um, so this episode first aired on March 6, 2005. Anxious about Deadwood's future, Swearingen calls out Bullock over the sheriff's relationship with Alma. The resulting confrontation turns inadvertently public and violent. Bullock's wife and stepson arrive, as do Joni's new business partners. Very understated recap. Right? <laughs> uh, that image of uh, Martha Bullock is the first thing we really see. And it's just kind of like, here she fucking comes, finally, after all the time talk in season one. Yeah, we hadn't even seen her before, had we? No. Yeah. Anna Gunn. Yeah. Welcome, um, Anna Gunn. Great actress. Welcome, Anna Gunn, and welcome... Um, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson as Irene Ringhausen. Sarah Paulson was a surprise for me. I had no idea she was in season two, and it's a pleasurable surprise. Yeah, her name is hard. It's Miss Isringhausen. Oh, no. Yes. Are you serious? So her, I think her first name, I Googled it, is Alice, but we don't learn it yet, so it's... Alice Isringhausen. It's Alice? I thought it was and Irene. And she appears out of nowhere. <laughs> what show am I watching? <laughs> um, that's according to the Denver Wikipedia page. But yeah, it, it is a mouthful for all the characters who, and especially Alma who keeps like scolding her throughout these Alma was clearly sent away for some help. And she's also kind of using her as a therapist as well. Yeah, it's, it's governor's weird. therapist. <laughs> and Miss Alice or Irene, whatever her name is, Miss Isringhauser. Housen is a bit of a pill. I don't. She's not very likable, and I'm cool with unlikable female characters. But I'm also like, do you just hate your lot in life? Like, what's the deal? I think I would hate being cooped up with Alma and the kid. All <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're talking about a not high Alma too. We're talking like full faculties Alma, probably yeah. a little snippy from still from the heroin withdrawal. Yeah. Your mistress is, like, sending you away to teach the kid letters while she bones her boyfriend upstairs Let's loudly. Let's about how not subtle they are being <laughs> about this affair. And then Seth gets so mad when people mention it to him, but it's like, dude, they can literally hear you banging in the dining room. <laughs> and the ceiling is coming down because you're... Banging her hard. There's okay. nothing subtle about it in this episode. I guess it would be less. I was like, why doesn't? Why don't they bang in the brand new beautiful house that he built? But maybe that would be crossing, crossing some kind of line. I guess some sort of mental line that he's drawn in the sand. That's the house for the mm-hmm. his brother's widow and her kid. And even uh-huh. though they're not there, he can't like take his booty call there. Yeah. And also, I guess it wouldn't be all that subtle if Alma was, like, unescorted walking over <laughs> to the bank house. Ellsworth to walk her down to her But he chose... <laughs> but Seth chose all the wood in that house really carefully, you know? know. That letter at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, they we'll have a very to, formal relationship. Yeah, we'll have to get to that. Yes. But um, let's save that until we've gone over this... Uh, relationship between Seth and Al in this episode, remember we ended season one thinking that they had sort of come to a bit of a truce about what each of their role was going to be going forward with the commissioners and the governors and all the government coming to their door. 
and they are just so childish all of a sudden in this episode. Like, to me, it was a little bit of a tonal shift that I didn't totally understand why all of a sudden all this aggression towards each other was bubbling up again. How did you guys feel about it? Between Al and Bullet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're trying to do a reset. Like, this... To, to yeah. Remember in the whole first season, it took a longer amount of time because, in fact, it all is sort of an arc within just this one episode. But I was like, oh, they're trying to make Al and Bullet sworn enemies again. And so the way to do it was to piss off Al with the commissioners coming to town and he feels let down by Bullock. It all seemed like a little invented just to put them on bad terms with one another. It's weird because Al's also picking at this thing. He's just picking at his affair with Alma. Like that's the that's the like the weakness that he decides to go after and then Seth just blows up in yeah. kind. It's a low blow. And I think Al's in a pissed off mood because he can't piss. Mm-hmm. Campus, he's got, we don't know what's quite as wrong with him yet. Maybe it's like, it could be gonorrhea. It could be any number of things. But yeah, I mean, Al's, Al's pissed about the government stuff. He's mm-hmm. pissed about his health. He's pissed about watching Alma's gold, that he wanted to be his gold, getting right. loaded onto the carriage and taken out of town rather than, I guess he thinks she should be reinvesting in the town. That was my impression. Except, does he really want that? Because, like, then she would be making a power play. I think he's just going to be unhappy with the situation no matter what because it's not his gold claim. And he really doesn't want to watch Seth strut out of there no matter what because he just can't fucking stand Alma. Even though I think at this point they still have, like, never spoken to each other. I like the idea that Al would be, like, a town benefactor and, like, encouraging Alma to reinvest in the community. You're probably more right, though. Like, I was like, oh, that's very high-minded of him that he's making that argument that she should be helping to grow Deadwood as one of the wealthiest people in town. Yeah, but I think that's a little bit of a smokescreen for him just being pissed off at everyone. Fair, fair. Meanwhile, there's a few other things happening in town. Joni is waiting for the arrival of some girls and a friend, is how it's put, in a stagecoach from Bismarck. Clearly, the whores are sitting right across from Bullock's uh, wife and adopted son. And <laughs> I thought it was funny. Did he get, did like his kid get an erection at one point? And like, or what? No, it was a fart. He farted. Yeah, he farted. He stared at some titties and then he farted. <laughs> Yeah, we should make some kind of supercut of all the fart jokes in this show <laughs> because there's really kind of a lot of them. I don't. If I ever meet David Milch, I'm gonna ask him. There was like, no What's point to that, that scene. It was literally just what is it like to have a fart happen in a closed stagecoach? <laughs> David Milch has like a hundred different words for farts. The way the Eskimos <laughs> have different words for snow, he has yeah. it for farts. That's beautiful, Sita. Thank you. <laughs> so they're on their way. And um, Bullock and Alma are boning, but also uh, talking about her her claim, which has been like I don't know I don't know what to call it except a, a huge windfall, ongoing bonanza. Yep. Yeah, bonanza. Yeah. Bonanza is the word. I mean, she's got a brand new outfit. That's a nice, beautiful, like red. <laughs> I'm not in mourning oh, anymore. Yes. Outfit. You know. I even know- she did. I totally noticed when she upgraded to the red dress, and I was like, "Has she been? She had one of those paper chains, mm-hmm. waiting for the day when it had been long enough that she could stop wearing the black because 
she there's no fanfare about it. It's just like the next day she's wearing red, and yeah. that, and I mean that's a pretty bold color for your first non-black dress. It just occurred to me. I, see, I mean, so the the people who were doing the costuming on the show, I imagine came back mostly for the second season. I don't know if it was a changeover or whatever, but mm. all of a sudden this gets to be like a lot more fun because the town is busier. Mm. There's like fancy whores coming, mm. and the fancy whores have to have their fancy whore clothing, but red. On a woman who's an adulterer is like really heavy, (laughs) (laughs) completely heavy handed. But like it hadn't occurred to me until you mentioned the red dress, and I'm like, obvious. It's a moral universe. Scarlet letter Mm -hmm. dress. Yes. Yeah. That's the A. She seems as clueless as Seth to the fact that people are like judging her for this, or maybe she just doesn't care. She definitely speaks openly, semi-openly with Miss Isringhausen about (laughs) it. Oh my god, that name. She's like a, a ten-piece IKEA dining set, you know. <laughs> David Milch, why, why? <laughs> I'm sure it's a real person, and we're like shitting all over her name. Sorry, oh, she's historical dead. figure. <laughs> so, but what what else we should mention about the sex scene is that Alma does not have shaved pits. I love that. It is historically accurate. Love that this made my list for most feminist moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I like zeroed in on that. I was like, we gotta talk about the hairy pits. Completely. I even thought about it. I was like, well, when you're filming a sex scene, you know about it a ways out, like Mm -hmm. at at least a week or two. So she could cultivate the pits, Mm -hmm. right? Or (laughs) is there like, what's the permanent equivalent of a merkin? A pit merkin. A pit merkin. A perkin. They looked (laughs) They looked great. Also, she was sexy as all get out in that scene, mm-hmm. going to show mm-hmm. that unshaved pits can absolutely be sexy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also just have to wear a lacy vest, kind of open, and be very fit and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, be very fit. <laughs> very, very fit. That was a flat stomach that she was um, showing off there. And they're very, they're very cute. They're very in love with each other. And then, you know, it's just... It's not going to go well. And then, of course, we have the perfect timing of the coach rolling into town right as Seth and Al are beating each other in the street. Mm-hmm. Again, not sure how it escalated so much to beating each other in the can, street. Can we backtrack just one point? Because I, I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about <laughs> Seth and Alma. How is a town like Deadwood completely lawless? Like, free from all social mm-hmm. conventions, judgmental of a widow having sex with the sheriff. Are they, that about? are they judgmental of it, or is he using that to piss off Seth? I feel like there's levels. Like, there's EB, who's just, like, gleeful about the gossip, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think Al just, it's another way that he thinks Seth is a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think people really, like, care about that so much as they're just looking at it in the bigger picture and being like... What can it get me? Yeah, And exactly. also, that's a very clear alliance. So, right. like, mm-hmm. if, they're, yeah. if they're boning, it's not just... Well, he's giving her advice about her gold claim from a very practical standpoint. It's like, he's invested in her. But if you look at the men who are supposed to be the upstanding men of the town, like Ellsworth and like Saul, Mm -hmm. they are choosing to not comment, to turn a blind eye, um, and they only get involved when it means either, you know, Ellsworth shuts down Evie's gossip or Mm -hmm. Saul goes to defend his friends, honor, stupidly, (laughs) but... You know, they're they're definitely not passing judgment in the same way that Al is is throwing it out there mm-hmm. for sure. So Al's essentially just using it as a weakness. I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he really cares. I don't think he was a shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Other than the fact that he wants her money and he wishes that, you know, neither of them had ever really come to town, you know? Yeah, completely. I mean, he actually says, the world abounds in cunt of every kind, including hers. So it's, it's more like, Seth, get your head on straight, get your priorities sorted out, focus on the town. Right. Not this woman who's got you, like, enthralled. And after he says that, like, that's the moment that really, like... Right after that, Seth takes off his badge and gun and they oh, start the fight. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment when Al realizes, he kind of like sees in Seth's face that he took it a step too far. Mm-hmm. And he tries to walk it back. He says, if it would steer you from something stupid, I could always profess another position. So he's like basically saying, I'll take it back if we cannot do this. Okay, we're doing it. <laughs> All right, well, if we're doing it, we're going to do it and I'm going to knife you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was fun to see Al fight. It was gory. It was gross. Yeah. Got beaten to a pastrami. He looks real bad afterwards, right? His eyes all swollen and everything And else. I guess he broke all his ribs because he's getting, like, tied up. Like, yeah. I don't know. But it feels like Seth uh, came out of that fight way better than Al did. Al looks fucked up and he's hurting all over. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Seth was, he had, a, like, something concussion-esque from Dan hitting mm-hmm. him with the, the mm-hmm. gun to stop things, but... Yeah, nobody's in great shape after this. And then Johnny, of course, goes ballistic and shoots oh, all stupid and Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Wounding both of them. I, I do love that we had another chance to see Trixie be, you know, Tight nursing Saul. Saul's yeah. wounds, you know? Yeah. Because I can't get enough of their dynamic. Um, they for sure deserve their own romance novel spinoff, like the whore and the Jew and... <laughs> <laughs> Sold so well in nineteen ten in Mary Magdalene. Um, completely. Penny novels, the horn, the Jew, the series. I am. I am just glad that they are not killing off either one of those characters at this point. They definitely uh, scared us a little bit there. It looked like Saul was fully like shot in the chest. I thought he was shot in the chest. Yeah, and then it's just his shoulder, and he's going to be fine. In fact, there were no deaths in this episode unless i'm missing one no slippery dan and the bummer dan remember oh, the yeah. three dance oh. the three dance of deadwood oh there was a bummer but dan. we didn't see we didn't see the murder it was mm-hmm. like the case of mistaken identity situation yes, yes, yes okay so there is a dead dan i take it back <laughs> that, that scene is hilarious because that's just like Make this quick. And I'm like, you're the sheriff and there's been a murder. <laughs> and you're just like, I have, you have 45 seconds to tell me what happened. We did think that him becoming the sheriff was like the fulfillment of a destiny, but he seems just as pissed off as when he wasn't sheriff and wishes, wishing he were sheriff. Yeah, unfortunately, the boning doesn't seem to have, you know, helped him loosen up at all. And the plot of this accidental murder is also like just pure, like, almost vaudevillian comedy because it's based on Slippery Dan, who apparently likes to pee on people in the bar. And then as a trick, because the bartender no longer lets Slippery Peeing Dan into his bar, got Bummer Dan to wear his coat. And Bummer Dan goes into the bar, and that's who gets shot. That's the mistake, and that's the whole plot. Also, peeing on a man can get you shot? I guess so, because it seemed like they were like, oh, it's all justified, and it was an accident at the I'm so glad that you worked out the details of that. <laughs> One of the reasons I worked out the details is because Bummer Dan was wearing this coat that I've been stocking on eBay forever. <laughs> you were like, this is fashion. <laughs> this is fashion. So Bummer Dan is wearing, it's called a Hudson Bay Five Points jacket. Oh, yes. 
Yes. That's what he was wearing. I was like, that's a very expensive jacket. So, that's I also Dan. noticed the jacket. Uh-huh. I don't recall if I didn't recall it being on Bummer Down. I thought it was on a different character. But like the stripes mm-hmm. are really and I lived in Vancouver for a few years where Hudson Hudson Bay Company yeah. is still headquartered. I think still headquartered. But like they still create those jackets and like blankets and that pattern is so specific. I was like Fashion. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Props to, again, to the costuming people who are bringing in a little bit of the outside world into the, into dead world. Dead world. Dead, yeah. dead, dead well, yeah. Deadwood. So we can, uh, we can, uh, from that blanket, we can go back to the stagecoach scene where all the new whores are coming in. And then we have our favorite Calamity Jane rising up <laughs> like a poltergeist. Like one little glimpse of her so we know she's not dead, I guess. That's all that was. Yeah. It was so disappointing to me personally. I was like, Jane! And then she never comes back again yeah. for the episode. Okay, so we get the fist fight. They go over the balcony. Saul and Charlie get shot. And Al is about to knife Bullock in the back when the stagecoach arrives. And I guess um, Al says that the sight of the little boy unmans him. That was strange. I think, you know, for everything about Al, he doesn't want to murder someone in front of a child. He seems to have a thing about kids a little bit. Like, he sort of remembers his own tragic childhood whenever something comes up about them. That's a little softy. But, I mean, it's very convenient timing all around. Um, Meanwhile, while the guys leave to lick their wounds, and then, (laughs) oh wait, this deserves a mention, Bullock is like, the house is over that way, and then he passes out. <laughs> that was amazing. He's, like, trying so hard to act like it's all normal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of darkly hilarious as yes. he's like, hello, wife and son. <laughs> Let's walk this way through the thoroughfare. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sai is pissed because he has basically learned that Joni and this other madam have made all of their plans under his nose. And um, that Joni is, in fact... She's, like, put two and two together, and he knows that Eddie has funded part of this new venture. Right. Eddie has been stealing from Sai. And Eddie's and, gone, I Eddie, guess. Eddie's out. Yeah. That's it. We're not yeah. going to see him again. There's kind of a lot that happened off screen with Joni, which was mm-hmm. a little annoying to me. I was like, I wouldn't have minded watching her, you know, start to set up her store or be scheming a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we watch her be sad so often. It would have been nice to watch her actually taking some steps. And Agreed. instead we're just told about it afterwards. There is that scene where, where Joni like, and Lila, the, the I guess the new Joni of mm-hmm. the establishment, they both like come up and curl up against Sai. And I was like, ooh, I know this isn't like a thing, but I realized what Joni was doing was essentially softening Sai up for the her eventual departure, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm never going to fully understand that relationship that dynamic, and what yeah. they put up with from him. We and learned they've been together how many years now? Like since she was 14. Years. Years. Yeah. yeah, like 20 years. Yeah. And it's just weird. And speaking of costumes, have his sleeves gotten bigger and puffier since the last season? I like oh, they were really, like, that. flapping around in all the scenes. I mean, our dislike of Sai as a character and as a performance is well-established, but... I recently learned, I don't think we had talked about this before, that Powers Booth, uh, rest in peace, he is no longer with us, but the actor who plays Sai was originally the second choice to play Al Swearingen before Ian McShane. Ian McShane was the third choice. And do you want to guess who the first choice was? Who? Timothy Olyphant? No, no. Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy on Married with Children. Wow. 
He was the number one choice. And they were like, well, people won't be able to separate him out from this very comedic, ridiculous redneck character. Mm -hmm. And then Powers Booth was sick the time they were filming the pilot, which is why he didn't get to Mm -hmm. be Al. Mm -hmm. That would have been a very different Al. I feel like I would not be a fan of the show, honestly. (laughs) He chews a lot of of scenery, this Mm -hmm. particular performance. Maybe he would have played it much differently. I think, you know, Al's a more subtle character in a lot of ways. But I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I'm so glad it worked out the way it did. (laughs) So basically, Joni gives him an ultimatum that uh, he is either going to have to kill her or let her go. This is it. The moment has come. He, I guess, is deciding I will let you go because I love you so much. Mm-hmm. There we go. Can we just now pray we that that's the end of it? In town. Yeah. The Shay Ami. Also, as far as like Seth and trying to play it cool after his fight slash the arrival of his family, can we talk about how awkward it is that Alma decides to bring a welcome basket over? Oh my lord. To their new house? That or- scene felt like it went on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cringy. The whole time I was like, let it end. Let it end. <laughs> Just be like, so glad you're in the neighborhood. Bye. See you yeah. around. <laughs> I was like yelling at the TV. I'm like, leave. <laughs> what are you waiting And Al's worth standing there just like watching all of it like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? <laughs> Oh, Alma. Ellsworth actually says to Alma, isn't there a better day to do this? <laughs> and she's like, nope. Today's yeah, the day. Yeah, really was a lot going curious? on. Was like, she just curious about it? I, yeah, I think she just was desperate to see that Seth was okay with her own eyes and mm-hmm. to see this woman. Because, you know, she bites Miss Isringhausen's head off when she suggests that Seth looked like he was okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. I love that you ship them so hard, Brandy. You're like, clearly they love each other badly and they need to make sure they're okay. And I'm like, ugh, Alma, bad choice. (laughs) I mean, Alma is an infuriating character in a lot of ways, but yeah. I understand. I do ship them. (laughs) I understand the impulse, but part of it to me was also kind of Alma kind of not pissing on Seth, but kind of being like, hey, guess who I am? Yeah, like reasserting her presence. I think to the wife, and, and to a certain extent, the wife must know. Okay, how much does she know? Let's talk about I it. I think she put a sum together there, yes. for yes. sure. Yes. Um, wow, there's a woman in red coming towards my <laughs> Coming towards my husband with a comfort basket. Alma, the specter of adultery. <laughs> Surely this is innocent. <laughs> I mean, there's the whole because Seth is acting so suspicious, mm-hmm. and he starts talking about letters that where he mentioned her, where it's clear that, that was these so were not like, chill. Never, oh my god, never since. Like, whose benefit are you saying this for? And then Charlie's trying to help him out by being like, maybe the letters got lost in the mail. My Charlie's business like, is awful. We're bad at what we do. <laughs> Charlie just took the blame for Seth. They were like, what a G. Charlie is. Always trying to be helpful and never really succeeding at it. Poor guy. He's also, by the way, I'd forgotten this completely, the deputy sheriff. Like, I hadn't realized that he had a, he had a role. It's yeah, so, a little bad. I, I just had forgotten from my original viewing that he'd ever had any sort of, like, Is he just going around yelling at people about their stovepipes and stuff? Let's hope. Is that all he'd be good at that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, most feminist, least feminist moments. The hairy armpits. Agreed. Seconded. Com- completely feminist. The Joni Sai thing, kill me or let me go, doesn't seem like a good point of view for modern feminists. Like, you shouldn't have to be murdered to escape the 
um, crushing ownership of a man. I don't, I don't know. But it does mean that she has made her um, jump for freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally. So, yeah. And any stand-up moments for anybody? I think you had said to, we should discuss the ending. It's just so painful when he says that the letter about the house has all his thoughts. And then the actual voiceover with the letter is just about, like, the materials that he used mm-hmm. to make the house. The fact that he didn't enter the house did not bode well for that marriage. Right? No, I mean, and that scene is also awkwardly long when they're like, are you going to come in? Come in, Mr. Bullock. Oh, no, I don't think I'm going right now. Why not, Mr. Bullock? I mean, oh yeah, we're just leaning into the awkwardness hard in this episode. Okay, so ultimately... He does not enter the house. We get that whole voiceover. The letter, the... And then he goes He goes straight to Alma, and they hug. What do we think is going to happen? Well, I don't think they're going to handle it super gracefully, given how awkward they've both been already. Seth has also got a head injury. <laughs> he might not be making good choices. Doc Cochran's in the corner like, can't wait to see what that looks like on the inside. Split that right open. Oh, my, one of my favorite scenes was a side talking to himself after all the whores had left. And he was like, and then you treated me like this. And then no one's on the balcony with him. I love that. I love angry men shouting into the void and then realizing that nobody is giving a shit. He has what I think is like the grossest line of the series so far in this episode where he describes having sex as pickling his prick in the cunt brine. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) That is so gross. It is fucking disgusting. It's amazing what some people see when they look at a pickle jar, you know? (laughs) I I like pickles. I love pickles. <laughs> also, Al Swearingen, uh, I guess he's probably used this phrase before, I just never noticed it. He uses cunt struck about yes. three times, yeah, and I was like, that. oh, cunt struck is like stigmatized by the yes. oldies 1800 version. That one I like. I like I it. I mean, it's all about context when mm-hmm. you're using the word cunt. <laughs> also, cunt struck gives the cunt power. Yeah, know, right? and it just has a nice ring to it. It yeah. does, and it kind of reminds me of Moonstruck. <laughs> I think we found our, our episode title. That was the original title. Yeah. <laughs> Construct has a nice ring to it. It indeed does. You just imagine Nicholas Cage going, I'm Construct. But let's, let's, is he right? I mean, Seth seems Construct at the end. He's with Alma. Mm-hmm. You know, he's made his choice. So it seems. Yeah. I mean, and uh, it's not like he can hide that that's what he did. People will have seen him. Walking through the town, going back to the hotel, mm-hmm. walking up the stairs. I don't think poor Martha is going to have a great time moving forward, given what she's walked into. We don't know her very well yet. Yeah. I do look forward to getting to know more about Martha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. just occurred to me that Anna Gunn just started another role where she's going to be maligned as forever, like she was as Skylar in Breaking Bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Skylar is a great character that I will always defend. <laughs> I know, I love her. I just yeah. I just feel like she gets these roles where, like, she's a deeply unpopular female mm-hmm. character. While we didn't get Jane fully back in this episode, I am optimistic because all of the new additions, save for William, the, the prepubescent farter, um... <laughs> They're all women. Yeah. I mean, that whole stagecoach is chock-a-block full of women, and there aren't... I mean, we hear that there's a commissioner, but, Mm -hmm. like, he's not there yet, and so I'm hopeful that the quotient Mm -hmm. of ladies in the town of Deadwood means they will get more story. 
in the town of Deadwood. Totally. And I definitely want to know more about Maddie and her and Joni's past, their friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the idea of Joni actually having a friend that she can confide in rather than just, you know, the people that she's been uh, in charge of. Yeah. How did Joni meet Maddie? Because if she, Joni's been with Cy for so long, since the age of 14, when would they have met? I feel like it was planted in the episode and I don't remember. I think it's like an older it. connection. I mean, Cy's definitely mm-hmm. not happy to see her and seems to know who she is off the bat so like they'd crossed paths before yeah i hope we get more explanation okay about that okay great for sure all right so we're back it feels good so that is the first episode of the second season uh, and we're gonna go watch the second one and get back <laughs> with you guys and talk about that will jane return for good she or will better. she just ever forever be drunk on the outskirts of town <laughs> <laughs> like a signpost look for the drunk woman and a horse yeah. All right, well, we'll talk to you next week. It has been a pleasure. You can find us on Twitter at LadywoodCast. I'm Lynn Sternberger at Lynn Sternberger. I am Sita Sean at SlowBear, S-L-O-B-E-A-R. And I'm Brandy Sperry at WeBrandy, O-U-I-B-R-A-N-D-I. Thank you for listening. Oh, just to defend it. If it's not now-